and welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie, and we're two sisters and borderline obsessed Marvel fans who have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely for years. And now we want to share our MCU discussions with you. We chat about our own predictions and theories, plus some of our favorites from online, and our reactions to all of the Marvel content that's considered MCU canon, including the Disney Plus shows and the movies, as well as the Marvel news you need to know. Today, we have a great episode for you all. We're going to break down everything having to do with She-Hulk Episode 2. And let me tell you right now, just initial reactions off the bat. As soon as I was done watching this episode, I texted Katie and I was like, my dude, we have so much to talk about. This is going to be a fun one today. It's funny because you watched it much later than I did. I watched it during the day today um, because I had some time. But I immediately, there were so many things... I don't like to take notes because I don't like going off of notes. I like to be able to kind of, you know, just know what my main points are. But I knew from the second this episode started, I was like, I'm going to need notes. I'm going to need to have things written down because there are things I don't want to forget to talk about. And so it's like, this was a good one. And it was shorter than the first one. And it had me once again sitting there wanting more. But it was a good one. Yeah. And I will say, just to start off, I think it really answered kind of our request from last week. You know, we were like, all right, a lot of this was stuff from the trailers. Like, good, entertaining, fun, don't get me wrong, but still very much things we'd already seen. This week, while not all of it was new, it definitely advanced the story a lot and has made me really, really excited to get into the meat and potatoes of the rest of the episode or the rest of the episodes. So I think they really, you know, answered the call. Not that they heard us, <laughs> but they answered our call. We can think they did. Yeah, you know, in my mind castle, that's what's happening. <laughs> but they really did. They really, you know, brought it this week with the new content and, and the continuing of the storyline in a really exciting direction. 100%, I agree. And so I think we should get right into it. I think this is a really good episode that we have to kind of follow in a more chronological way because there's so much and I, I don't want to miss anything. So we start this episode off, obviously, you know, we're getting the repercussions of what happened from last episode with her, you know, hulking out in the courtroom. And I honestly, the fact that she was fired, I was so angry. I was sitting here like, Bestie Jen doesn't deserve this. I was like, my righteous indignation is fired up. She saved those people. And you're the district attorney, aka you are the law of the government of the city of Los Angeles, and you are firing someone for saving a life, which in essence is supposed to be what you're doing when you're putting away, quote unquote, bad people. Hello. Yeah. But, you know, every part of me that, because I am the very much the type of person to do the devil's advocate, I did understand why from like the actual legal perspective, because I was like, that's fair. Yeah. I mean... She is quite the liability now. And I mean, especially even if she never hulked out again in the courtroom, doesn't matter. Now she has a reputation. Yeah. And so I can understand where there could be that problem, but I was not having it. And I was very angry for her, especially because she starts off this episode. And I, I want to make a note of this, which is talking about, I think it's her assistant. Paralegal. Her paralegal. I, I, I know it was like, I didn't know if it was like assistant legal. Like, I knew there was a title, but I didn't know what it was. 
And I'm not, I haven't caught her name yet. I think it's Nikki. Okay, I I truly haven't caught it yet. I love her. I haven't caught it. She's so great. The proverbial BFF that every woman needs in her corner, that's Nikki. Yeah, and I I adore her. And I had to laugh because she was having a conversation with her prior to this about, you know, she was like, oh, you could could become an Avenger. And Jen's like, I don't know their benefits. I don't know what they get paid. But I was like, you know, you're asking all the really important questions because I feel like these are questions that Loki have been brought up before too. But let's also say, because we've talked a lot about how relatable Jen is, Jen is asking the real questions. She's asking the questions that every person should and hopefully do ask when they're getting a new job. Jen's like, wait, but like, what about me? Like, I'm not just out here to be a martyr and like save people. Like, that's great. And that's awesome. Like, and not to take away from that, but you need to have a life too. You need to make money. Look at what happened to poor Sam. Like he couldn't even help his family because he's out here saving people. And like, you should not not be rewarded for doing that, especially when your quote unquote boss is a guy who has money to spare. Granted, he's dead. So They're not quite as bankrolled anymore, but, like, still, in that era, they were. Well, and actually, you bring up Sam. That is where that conversation was. I was trying, I was like, I feel like we've addressed this before, or not, like, us physically, we did not, because we didn't have the podcast at the time, but I just feel like, as a fandom, we've seen it, and it's been places, so I was like, why is this reminding me of something, and why is this, (laughs) like, such a real question? But the entire first, I would give it almost ten minutes, was devoted to kind of, you know, this backlash from what happened in the last episode and, you know, the very real repercussions, which I think we don't get to see a lot of. Yeah, especially on a personal level. Like, I think we've seen, you know, what happens... I'm trying to think of, like, a good example, but, like, we've seen what happens on a larger scale, like, with Wanda in Wachovia... Wachovia. With Wanda in... Was it Nigeria, I believe, at the beginning of Civil War? Yes. This is terrible because I was just writing something about Civil War. I should really know this, but... (laughs) But with Crossbones, you know, and she redirects the blast and all of that happens and she kills all those missionaries from Wakanda and that's, you know, obviously how we bring in Black Panther, but we see how that sparks kind of... Well, it does. It sparks the conversation about the Sokovia Accords, which was kind of bubbling, bubbling, bubbling after everything that happened in Sokovia and then, boom, Wanda literally lit the powder keg. So we've seen the, the... repercussions of heroism on a grander scale and you know in one is an interesting case because i think we also have seen it on a personal scale for her obviously that's literally the entire point of wandavision but i think it's interesting to see it on such a new hero how immediate it is that it's impacting her personal professional and just all around life well and i honestly really want to point out the biggest difference too that i think a lot of the original heroes had more of a fallback on was the fact that S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Avengers existed. Yeah. I mean, they had Avengers compounds. So when that whole thing, I'm going to follow your example with Wanda, when that whole thing took place, she didn't, while it was obviously a a huge impact and there was a lot of fall away from it, there was a huge thing. I mean, the Accords, Civil War, literally everything comes from that. But she just went back to the Avengers compound. At the end of the day, that was what happened. You know, she wasn't you know, living her day-to-day life with that repercussion in the same way that Jen, you know, lost her job immediately, then couldn't get a job. Yeah. You know, like, she wasn't going about her day-to-day because her day-to-day looked very different. When the Avengers were a full-fledged team, their day-to-day was being an Avenger. Well, being an Avenger was their job. But that's what I mean. So for them, they... 
they didn't have that same amount. And I'm not by any means taking away some of the repercussions of things, especially for Wanda. I mean, I think we've seen her very steady downhill. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wanda's been declining of the late. <laughs> yeah, but like when you look at her life, you still you do get it. But my point just being is, you know, from the real world perspective, from taking away that curtain per se of the Avengers you know we're watching this very real repercussion that honestly like you screw up at your job for example you lose your job like we get that for Jen that wasn't screwing up but they saw it that way yeah I think it's interesting too the way it affects her even in her like personal relationships like when she had to go to that family dinner and all her family could talk about was oh well you lost your job well that's like really unfortunate like because like I mean, I've never been in that situation, but we've all been in a situation, in that specific situation, we've all been in a situation where something bad has just happened, and then we have to, like, you know, face the family and be like, oh, man, like, for me personally, I graduated college, and I didn't have a job lined up, and we had a, you know, I remember a big family picnic, and I had to talk about how, yeah, I just graduated, but yeah, I don't have a job yet, and, like, that's, like, a really uncomfortable conversation, so I really related to, like, her discomfort in that situation, But not just that, like, then when they got over the whole fact that she lost her job, the next thing they wanted to know about was, what are the Avengers like? What about Hawkeye? What about your life as She-Hulk? And then they wanted to change her. And it was, like, immediate. Like, the way that she interacts with even the people who know her best as Jennifer, it immediately became all about She-Hulk and not about Jen anymore, which I think is so interesting. And I honestly think that, even from the trailers, is the interesting struggle that I think she is going to go through throughout the show of that difference of there's Jen and there's She-Hulk. Yeah. And, you know, there's the perks of being Jen and there's the cons and there's the perks of being She-Hulk and there's the cons. And I think her journey is just as much going to be similar to kind of Bruce's and understanding how to marry those two halves together, which is interesting because for her, she's always so conscious. Like, her memories, no matter what, are always hers versus for Bruce. You know, he had quite literally the two different sides and he describes it as you know the other guy had the wheel sometimes she doesn't have that so like I couldn't really imagine kind of almost having to live this double life but you're only one person yeah like she almost has like a weirder struggle because she is one person living both ends versus having two people yeah it's so interesting that you bring up Bruce because I was just gonna do the same thing like to your point he had two different personalities two different identities almost like having like a Stephen Mark relationship in some ways. You know, there's the Hulk and there's Bruce. Yeah. But for Jen, even though she's the same person, she has two different personalities with the same experiences. So they're similar, but yet in the same way that like she's a Hulk, but she's a Hulk with a twist, she's got the same problems of the Hulk, but she's got the problems of the Hulk with a twist. Like everything with her is Bruce, but just slightly altered. Not to say that she's, you know, and she makes this joke, a derivative of him, but it's just interesting the way that they play on these two characters and their, you know, their similar experiences, but how they're just slightly different. Yeah, 100%, I agree. And I want to circle back before we move past this part of the family, um, because I have two things with that. One, I want to understand the family. Yeah. I see mom and dad. Okay. I have this kid calling her dad uncle. Then we have two other people who I don't even think are actually given, like, genuine names. Like, I don't think we're ever actually pointed out to them. They're just there. The woman is given a name because he talks about her being a stylist. And he's like, my blank, whatever her name is, is a stylist. Okay. 
But regardless, we're not giving context on who they are. Yeah. And listen, normally, wouldn't care. Well, the reason we have to care is because she's Bruce's cousin. So I'm trying to sit here and figure out, like, who are these people to Bruce? Yeah, no, 100% same. And also, why was he not invited to family dinner? Well, we found out why he wasn't. <laughs> so, which we'll get there too. But because my other part was like, there, this is not the way that they can be confirming that these are Bruce's parents because they also, one, are not old enough. They're like the same age as him. Yeah. And they're far too fair. Like yeah. he has such dark hair and dark eyes and they, I don't know what color their eyes were. They didn't like get enough of a close up, but their hair, both of them are like blonde. Well, and two, and this is going to sound weird, but I'm going to straight up say it. A genius like Bruce did not come from the two of them. <laughs> and if that kid is their child, the boy who was calling Jen, sorry, now Tatiana's popping in my brain. And I'm like, that's her real name. By the way, we were saying her name wrong. No, I'm saying Tatiana as in who plays Jennifer, not Titiana. Oh, no, it's... Titiana. No, it's Titania. Oh, my God. We got God. it totally wrong. <laughs> it's Titania. I forgot. We, that was something we should have talked about in the, the like, repercussions section. I wanted to bring that up. When they said her name was Titania, I was like, oh, my God, we butchered that so hard. Like, to the point where we literally switched around letters. You and I both just, like, saw what we wanted to see. It's because of Tatiana being... Jennifer's actress's name. That is what keeps screwing me up. Yeah. But for the record, it's Titania. Yeah. And we will say it correctly moving forward. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Clearly, we're just a mess. But anyway, but whoever that kid is, I assumed was their kid. Also, the brain cells seem to be there for the same level. The fruit does not fall far from the tree. Yeah. So I was like, there's no way that Bruce is you know, here. So I'm like, who are these people then? Is this another sibling? Like, Well, it could be like Bruce is the cousin on the dad's or the mom's side and this is the family from the dad's side, Yeah, if that makes sense. Like, they don't necessarily all have to be related. I feel like I need some confirmation on, like, at least what side of the family. If we're going to see more family, I feel like I need to know what side the family, at least, that they're related on. Agreed. Because it's just, I'm getting a little muddled. But I do have to say, the other point I wanted to bring up about the family was, I really like, and I know the show is not about Bruce, and I continue to emphasize that because it's important to emphasize it. It is Jen's show, but if, you know, we have him appearing in it, we need to talk about the things he does. I enjoyed that we got a little bit of the perspective of having Bruce as Hulk from the family side mm -hmm. and what it was sort of like from them. I think of her dad saying, you know, this isn't the first time we've had a Hulk, we've had to deal with having a Hulk in the family. And it's not like you destroyed a whole city. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but to me, that is was like a really interesting thing because I'm like, oh, we're seeing, you know, that other side. Because I, I think, too, I mean, if you really think about all the um, Avengers, how many of them do we get reference to parents? I mean, first off, a lot of them are orphans. Which Jen points out. Yeah. She's like, and also adult orphans. I was like... Girl calling a spade a spade. Exactly. But so think of it that way. And then the rest of them don't really have much confirmation. Like, I never even thought to think about Bruce's parents. No. I mean, the only one I think who really touched Natasha. Yeah. Obviously, from Black Widow. And, and Bucky talks about Steve's mom because we know her name is Sarah. And that's like a big deal. Yeah. But that's, oh, and Tony's parents, which like gave him trauma for life. Yeah, but like he's orphaned. 
So, like, that, I was counting him as one of the orphans. Well, I mean, technically they're all orphans because their parents are dead, but, like... Well, we don't know all of the parents are dead, though. That's my point. Is <laughs> like, I, we don't have confirmation on a lot of these people. I mean, they're not old enough all for them all to have, like, dead parents. Yeah, that's true. So that's why I'm kind of like, I never thought to think of Bruce's family. I don't know what's out there. And now we're seeing, you know, Jen's perspective of it and her family's perspective of it. But, like... What about Bruce's, like, nuclear family? Like, I'm curious about this now that we're seeing this other perspective. Yeah, agreed. I am, too. One other thing I want to say about the family before we move on is that Jen's dad may just be the MVP for greatest parent in the MCU because, <laughs> I mean, the bar's really low. That's But fair. I just, like, love their whole little, like, you know, I'm going to sneak you out to ask you how you're really doing because you just had, like, a really big life moment and you're probably not okay and I just want to check in and make you actually tell me how you're feeling. And I was like, so he's the real MVP. Her mom's out here criticizing everything about how she looks. But yeah. the dad's like, hey, my gal, how you doing? Are you okay? Yeah, I, I liked seeing it. We need some wholesome family. It reminded me a lot of like Kamala. Yes, that's true. Yeah, we need that wholesomeness. But moving away from the family, before we get into the big part of this episode, which we all know what it is. I want to talk about some Easter eggs because I think they're important to address. I think if we're kind of trying to follow some order of an episode, this ha technically they popped up prior to the family get together, but I want to keep us in that area real quick. So I think there were about three. Correct me if I'm wrong. Point them out to me because I might have picked them up subconsciously, but not consciously. <laughs> okay, I can do so. Actually, there were four. So one... Her home screen on her phone is Captain America's butt. I totally missed that. That was a beautiful catch. Thank you. Yes, it is her his butt. So I appreciate that. I can get behind Love it. it. Um, and I think it really helps the point from last episode. Truly. The second one, we had Iron Man shoes or something of that nature being sold. The ad. I did see that. That one I caught. The third one being they confirmed Wolverine exists. I missed it. Tell me more. Underneath the ad, there was like a news story about a man who was fighting with metal claws. What? So there's that. Then we finally address the fact that there's a giant man looking thing popping out of the earth just frozen there because that was a news story underneath it addressing why there is just something that looks like a, a human hand and stuff sticking out of the earth. Okay, see, I totally, I was focused on the Iron Man shoes. I think I looked at my phone at that point, so I lost some time. I should have freeze-framed, because I was like, ooh, Iron Man 3 shoes, like, or Iron Man shoes 3, I don't know, whatever. I was like, Iron Man shoes, and then I got distracted, and I was like, there's definitely probably more on that page. Totally missed the other two, because I didn't pause. Yeah, so, I mean, the Iron Man thing, I think, is just a cute little thing yeah. for us as fans, you know. And but the other two are biggies. Yeah, the other two are huge. Because same, Captain America's, like, butt thing is just, like, a little nod. But, like, the other two are definitely biggies because I know we've talked on this podcast multiple times about the Eternals, and I've been very passionate about the fact that I'm angry that we just don't address the fact that this thing is just sticking out of the earth. Just living there, doing its thing. Like, especially because it was on the news and everything, and we never saw, like, any repercussions about the fact that people watched this and heard about this and just, like, 
didn't bat an eye. So I'm glad that we've got some of that. Well, and then too, if we're going timeline, you know, and trying to piece things together, this confirms that She-Hulk takes place after the Eternals, which is interesting because, you know, I think the only piece of real understanding we have in terms of timing for Eternals, not to get super far off track, but I will say, you know, all we know is it's after the blip. Yeah. That's it. There's nothing else that connects it that makes me say, oh, it's got to be related to X, Y, and Z, because all it does is move things forward with Blade and Black Knight, which is fine, but it does not connect to any pre-existing properties other than, you know, the idea of the snap and the blip being obviously this cataclysmic moment, yeah. or these two cataclys- cataclysmic moments, really. Yeah, no, I I definitely, I was actually going to go right with the timeline right after that, so I'm glad you brought it up, because I think that definitely puts that into some perspective of where this goes with that movie. So, and I'm going to put this out here now, just in general, I'm loving that She-Hulk's filling in a lot of blanks for me Yeah, in a lot of things. So I'm, I, I think that's another reason I'm loving it so much, is I'm like, Wow, answers. That's awesome. Agreed. Um, and I'll get to another one, like I said, in, when we talk about the other half of this episode, which is huge. But um, that and confirming Wolverine, to me, I was like, oh, okay, we're just doing that. That's crazy. Yeah, I did um, I did not catch that, but I'm definitely going to be diving into some articles and the Twitter feed in the next 24 hours. Yeah, I, like, did read it, but didn't process it until I went on Twitter a couple hours later, and I was seeing it, and the more I was re- I was like, wait a second. As I read it again, I was like, oh, wait a second, because I definitely, <laughs> I, like, read it, but then I went, I was trying to capture everything, so I, I went to the celestial part, and I was like, that stuck with me because I thought immediately of Eternal. Right. Like, I, I, I put it together, because I wasn't thinking of Wolverine. I wasn't even, like... There wasn't a part of me that even put my brain there for a second. But I was like, oh my god. Because you're technically confirming Wolverine, which means you're technically confirming the mutants. Yeah. I mean, more so than, I guess, technically Miss Marvel did, but... But, like, we didn't know if she was a one-off or what. Well, yeah, it's it's confirming, like, the heavy hitters. Yeah. Like, the, the, the characters who are known for being mutants. I mean, probably the heaviest hitter. If you think mutants, nobody doesn't not think Wolverine. Yeah. Unless you are, like, the type of person who's, like, an X-Men fan and you have your favorite X-Man or woman, X-Person, yeah, then you think of your favorite. But, like, to your point, I think X-Men, I'm like, Hugh Jackman, where are you at? Like, let's go. Exactly. No, I agree. So, wanted to cover those Easter eggs because we're not blind. Those were good catches. Yeah, well, okay, I'm not blind. Taylor is. I caught one. (laughs) 25%. You got one out of four. That's not great. (laughs) (laughs) But... Let's move into the heavy hitter part of this episode, which is our man Abomination, which, not a surprise he's here. I'm surprised he's up for parole. (laughs) Yeah. The justice system. I'm just going to end the conversation there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was insanely flabbergasted because I know it's been like, what did we say, 15 years now? 15 years, yeah. And I know it's been 15 years. But, like, I feel like when you level a city, and I'm sure we didn't talk about the death toll. Yeah. But, like, it exists. There's no way it doesn't. I'm unsure how (laughs) you are just, like, up for parole. I mean, he's literally a walking weapon of mass destruction. You put the words right in my mouth. That's what I was just about to say, was, like, he, it's not like he's Iron Man and they took his armor. Yeah. He is it. He's the guy. Yeah. He's... The gun, he is the bullet, he is the trigger. 
He's all of it. But I do have to say, I thought it was interesting because, once again, I'm going to reiterate, I don't watch The Incredible Hulk in my free time, and I'm not sure who does. I don't even know where you watch it. Like, it's not on Disney+. Plus. Like, where does one find it? I know when I did my rewatch prior to Infinity War, I'm pretty sure I had to pay for it. Yeah, you have to, like, go on YouTube and, like... Yeah, which I was super angry about because out of all the movies I had to pay for, I was like, really? <laughs> Incredible Hulk? This is the one? Yeah. Not ecstatic, but I know it's been a little bit, but when he was kind of talking about his backstory and all that, I was like, wow, I actually do kind of feel a little sympathy for you. Like, now that I'm looking back at this, you were off the wall, in my opinion, but you're not wrong that the government had very much a large hand in everything that was going on. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, it's so interesting because I think the way that movie frames it, and rightfully so, you're setting up a villain you know, he's the bad guy, he's irredeemable, he's the worst. But then you look at it from his point of view, and he's like, I was just being a good soldier, and I got the superhero serum. But what's interesting is that goes, obviously, all the way back to Cap, not a good soldier, but a good man, or that line, I I think I just butchered it. No, I think that might be it. I think it's not a perfect soldier, but a good man. That's what it is. Yeah. And, like, John was more worried about being the perfect soldier and not maintaining... And following orders. Yeah, and not maintaining his humanity. And then, you know, I think a lot of times what's said about, you know, superpowers is that they... It was said about John. It's that it takes what's inside you and it amplifies it. Well, if you're somebody who's obsessed with getting the kill or completing the mission, like both John and Blonsky... It's gonna make you off the wall. Yeah. Both of them. Whereas, like, Steve and Bruce, who got the same treatment, both of them, yes, I mean, Bruce can't control the Hulk, but, well, like... he can now. Right, but at the time, talking, like, in that kind of era, but, like, you know, he makes attempts to try to snuff the Hulk out to stop being it so he can stop hurting people. Steve basically was a good guy up until the end. So, like, it's just the difference. It just goes to show, like, when you become, you know, you get those types of powers, it amplifies your true motivations and your true, like, who you are as a human on the inside. Well, and especially because the part of the serum he got was so imperfect. Oh, yeah. That it did create a genuine monster out of him. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, because you compare him a lot to John, I like your comparison, but I think that takes it almost that step further because John had a perfected serum. That's the difference. Well, yeah, and he also wasn't physically deformed, which I think would have actually made John spiral more, just knowing who he is and that level of pride that he has. Not that, you know, that's important. I just thought it's an interesting thing, too. Like, Blonsky's, like, physically deformed, even worse than Bruce. Like, yes, Bruce is green and large, but he still has his face. He still looks humanoid. And he's accepted a lot of it. Yeah, but, like, Blonsky, like, has, like, blowfish ears. Like, it's very, like, he's getting off of human territory there. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And so, you know, bringing him into this, and I'm, I'm very intrigued about how this goes, because, I mean... There's the part of us that obviously wants to root for Jen because she's taking on this case. Right. But then, you know, it's like, I'm consciously aware he's not a good choice to be out, which is why my brain is immediately going, and there's one last thing I don't want to gloss over, which we'll hit again, but my brain is going, okay, this is setting up Thunderbolts. Yes, absolutely. Immediately. Yeah. He's not going to live some peaceful life with his seven pen pals. No. You know who might be one of his dang pen pals? Valentina. I'm sure. 
I'm sure we'll be seeing her and I won't be shocked because I even said that all the way back in the predictions. I'm not shocked. I could see her being like the end credit scene of episode nine. The same way she was an end credit in the end of Black Widow. I don't even know if we'll need to get that far, yeah. to be honest, because at this point she's becoming a reoccurring person that I don't think even co- her coming in now in the end credit scene is going to be that shocking. We've seen her recruit two. Yeah. That's not surprising because to be to be fair, at the end of the day, her being in the end credit scene of Black Widow wasn't the shock. It was one, us staring at Natasha's grave. Hurtful. And two... Her setting, now I'm trying to call her Florence, (laughs) her setting Yelena up to go after Hawkeye. That was the shock. Right. I mean, I literally went from crying to gasping for air in about like 30 seconds. As someone who was sitting less than two feet from her, can attest. Yeah. So, you know, I I don't think she needs to be in an end credit scene. I don't think she needs that impact anymore because we're seeing her collect her chess pieces and we've had confirmation of Thunderbolts at this point. Very true. One thing I think is really big, and I would just like to toot my own horn. Oh my gosh, Caitlin's face. She knows exactly what I'm going to say. So, toot toot my horn. The DODC was, in fact, the group holding the abomination, which I said in my predictions episode, or in our predictions episode as part of my predictions, and you called that out as the one prediction you could not get behind when I gave my four options. I would just like to say... I was right. I just, I want to call that out and make it known. Listen, I stand by my reasoning as to why I didn't think so. Because the evidence to up until this point, I truly could not have thought that the DODC was going to be holding the abomination himself. Probably one of the, my opinion, best villains, even if he wasn't one of the worst movies. He's awesome and extremely strong. And off the rail. So, (laughs) I just, you know, their track record didn't really align with the fact that it seemed that they would be holding him. Here's what I want to say, because I I understand, you know, I think I even acknowledged your reasoning in the predictions episode. I just want to put this out there, and I want to get your thoughts on how you feel about it. Yeah. Do you think that they are becoming the new S.H.I.E.L.D.? If they are, they're already corrupt. Oh, absolutely. If anything, I liken them more to the Hydra version of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just think, you know, they're really... You talked about with the absence of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the absence of the Avengers. I think they're really stepping into that shady governmental role. And, like, we didn't know S.H.I.E.L.D. was shady at the time because, obviously, Hydra... And not all of S.H.I.E.L.D. was bad, but they're really stepping into it now with the D.O.D.C. Well... And, and this might sound so stupid, and you might sit here and be like, no, duh, are you dumb? But (laughs) I didn't really think about this until today when I was doing some things for Civil War. I didn't think about the fact that the Sokovian Accords are in place. They're, like, active. Right. I didn't think about that at all. And to be fair, that might be because, you know, so much happened. My brain didn't really, like, after Civil War, we went right into Infinity War. Like, I wasn't thinking about these accords. But I'm thinking about them now, and that's why I'm, like, very intrigued by how the DODC operates. Well, that goes back to the prediction from Ms. Marvel that, or the theory that Davis and I had from Ms. Marvel, that the DODC's main directive is to uphold the Sokovia Accords, because... In essence, you know, Abomination's entire existence 
is really goes against the Accords. Yeah. And he clearly would be in violation of them for what he did to Harlem 15 years ago if you're looking at retroactive crimes in relation to when the Sokovia Accords were adopted. So that, to me, just further bolsters that theory that their whole thing is we're going to monitor the superhero community and make sure that they toe the line. Well, and I was looking more into the Accords and... They, it talks about, you know, limiting and stopping, you know, superheroes being made through technology and this, that, and another thing. And so there's a lot more into them than I think I ever even realized. And I don't know if they really were fully explained as well as they could have been in Civil War, which to be fair, you know, had to build a plot. We didn't need to waste 10 more minutes on learning about the Accords, but I'm just intrigued because I do think they have a big part of that. But my other part, since we can't really not talk about Miss Marvel when you have DODC involved, because that was their most prevalent other than Spider-Man, but honestly weren't really in it that long. I'm thinking, like, so is this the prison that they had the clandestines in? Good question. When you said, I'm thinking about Ms. Marvel immediately, I was like, why didn't I think about them and, like, where they were held? I immediately thought about it. As soon as that confirmed that it was the DODC prison, I was like, is this... Is this the same? Because I couldn't remember. I remember them showing it, but I was like, they. I think they also showed it at night. Yeah, it was like a very different framing and setup, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, so this whole time was the abomination just like chilling down the hall? Well, I originally, I originally was a little disappointed because I was hoping he would be on the raft. And I know I just keep bringing it up, but one day they're going to have to show me the raft. Like, it has to still exist, right? And obviously with John on the table, it's got to happen at some point. But... So I was a little bummed that I was like, oh, man, like, it's not the raft. And then they showed the DODC, and I was like, no longer bummed. You made up for it. And then I was like, oh, wait, I was right. So there was, like, a lot of emotions that happened when that reveal came. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So I'm intrigued by that, and I want to wrap up with the Abomination talk with one other part, and then I want to finish out with Bruce. Yeah, that little minor detail. Yeah, I think that's its own other thing. I'm also really happy, and this is what I was talking about earlier when I said there's one other thing I'm really happy about with getting answers, because now, with the whole, like, how is Abomination escaping prison and just fighting in an underground fight club, now I'm like, okay, I get why Wong is gonna come. Yeah. Like, I think that was such a problem I had in the predictions episode, and I know you were kind of saying, oh, you know, as a Sorcerer Supreme, he's kind of, he seems to be taking a more active role and blah, 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 blah. But I couldn't sit and just be happy because I was like, he's a Sorcerer Supreme and he's fighting in an underground fight club. Like, (laughs) I didn't know why that was a thing and I needed to understand it. And I think we're finally getting there because I was like, okay, I could understand why Wong's coming in because of Abomination, but how are we getting there? Now I get it. Now I get that... Everything's starting to align, and I'm I'm very happy about it. Yeah, I get the mechanics of it now, but I want to understand the reasoning. Like, why did Wong just wake up one day and say, I'm going to help this guy come out of prison to fight me in an underground fight ring, cameo in Shang-Chi, and then be like, putting this guy back in prison? I mean, like, what's the purpose? Yeah. And I know we're going to get it, because she obviously, we've seen the clip of her having Wong in her office. Now we know that setting's her office. I mean, it was pretty clear before, but now we know. Right. You know, that's when he brings up the Book of Ashanti. So she's going to talk to him. She's going to be like, hey, Because he's his escape artist. Yeah, like, why did you decide that was a good idea? Did he just need to blow off steam? Like, 
real questions. Yeah. So this is like the most important thing to me right now. I'm not going to lie, is understanding this because this was the thing that bothered me the most during Shang-Chi because I couldn't figure it out. And then when we were confirmed that Wong was the Sorcerer Supreme, I'm like, this makes even less sense. Like, I thought maybe he was on like a field trip for Strange. (laughs) Like, you know, doing something that needed to get taken care of. I don't know. But then I'm out here and he's the Sorcerer Supreme just in a fight club. Like, I'm with Abomination, I'm so lost. So It's I'm- almost like someone did a Marvel Mad Libs, and, like, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Wong fights Abomination in an underground fight ring. <laughs> we need we need another storyline and we need another noun. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, honestly, yeah. So I'm, I'm super excited we're going to get that answer. Hopefully that means we might be getting Wong as soon as next episode. I would hope so. I hope so. Maybe not, though. Maybe it might be a fourth episode. Who knows? But let's transition into our final thing, which is, well, first, Bruce referencing the fact that he's a totally different person had me. Oh, my I, gosh. I cackled. <laughs> Same. Same. I was, like, so loud about it, too. I was like, oh, it was great. Yeah. And, and, and let me just wind back for one second just to give another reaction. When I did see the DODC prison, I verbally went, oh. No. <laughs> so, just for you reference. Knew what you were in for today, sister. Not even that. I just was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Not the stupid DODC again. But anyway, I yeah, I was sitting there cackling because I was hoping they'd get there. Because I was like, you're going to bring up the abomination. You're going to bring up the fight. Like, I need you to reference again that, because I know they've done it like one other time. I need it referenced again that he is not the same. But I had to laugh when he's sitting there going, yeah, I'm a, like a totally different person, literally. Like, <laughs> And then she winks at us. Yeah, like they could have put it on a billboard and had you run into it. That's how obvious they made it. So good. But the big point I want to get to, Hulk's just on a cigar <laughs> spaceship. Okay, can I put something really big out there? Do it. I know you're really into World War Hulk. Also, just random aside fans, I went to a comic book shop last week. They had a 20 for 20 mystery bag of comics, and in it was a World War Hulk comic. We take it as a sign. Yeah. The universe is telling us it's coming. Also, Mark Ruffalo spoiled it already, so it's coming. Sort of. But before that, I'm wondering if we're going to get a Planet Hulk story where he does that and goes off world. I don't think now, you know, I said at the predictions episode, you know, maybe this is sunsetting for the Hulk and he's done. He's going to go live in his island in Mexico. I'm calling it now. I was wrong. Good, because not only were you wrong, but I was right. (laughs) And that is what needs to be said. Okay, we're one for one now, so we're even. (laughs) Yes, but you were really wrong. (laughs) Okay, so were you. Out of four theories, you called out one, and that happened to be the right one. Either way, I'm just going to say, I'm here for it, and I think it's what he deserves, because I said this before and I'll say it again. He's been slept on. Well, and I want to I wanna bring in a little bit of meta rights discussions, because I think there's a reason for that. Apparently, and I've only caught some glimpses and some parts of conversations online, Apparently, they did not have the rights to do another solo Hulk film, possibly until next year. Now, with that coming on board and that unlocking, now we might be looking at another solo Hulk film with 
Mark Ruffalo at the helm because now they will have the full something with Universal owns part of him, I think. They do because that's why they have the Hulk ride down at Universal in Florida. Well, park park rights and film rights are a little different. Like yeah, they're, but they they're have parsed the rights out to some degree. That, yes, and that's right. why they were able to They also though have the rights to Spider-Man down there too. So that's what I'm saying like it's a little different. But I think you obviously if you look at some of the credits around The Incredible Hulk, it is made in conjunction with Universal, I believe. And so they own part of the film rights. Something is happening where they're, Marvel's either going to buy them back or the rights are expiring, unclear. But it seems like either next year or the year after, he opens up again as a full on-the-board character for not just having to be in these ensemble films, but in his own solo film, which is so exciting because I think we're starting to see the foundation laid for that. Yeah, I agree. And Honestly, Mark needs to get off Twitter, but (laughs) he also tweeted about, and I am not going to be able to say it verbatim, so I'm just going to Caitlinify it and just go from there because I don't remember what he said exactly, but along the lines of he sees there being um, an unhinged Hulk coming back in a World War Hulk or Planet Hulk film. Love it. Mark's just telling us what's coming. Yeah, you know, honestly, I'd rather take it. So I'm here for it. I have shared my passion about, you know, wanting to see World War Hulk. It's so hard to say sometimes. It really is. It's just the way the L's, D's, and W's all work together. It's just not happening. But I am extremely excited. To your point, I think they're setting that up. I do just want to say, since it's a Sakaar spaceship, and they were very clear about that, I'm almost like, is the Grandmaster going to appear again? Especially knowing he, Jeff Goldblum filmed scenes for Thor Love and Thunder. And I know, obviously, like, that last film that he appeared in was a Thor film, but that tells me that they're not done with the character. He's not dead, obviously, so he's still very much on the board. Will his grand champion return? To be determined. I just want Jeff Goldblum. Oh my god, he's a treasure. (laughs) You know, that's that's really it. So I um, don't really care how it happens, but I wanted to bring that back because, I mean, who knows? Yeah, there are so many possibilities opening up just from this first two episodes alone, and I'm so excited by it. And honestly, though, this also confirms our belief of not really thinking that Bruce was going to be in the show for much longer. Yep. This confirmed that as well, that it seems like he, well, not even seems like, it's confirmed he is now off-world with somehow really good cells. Yeah, I was shocked by that. But also, really quick, going off of that, we've now, you know, to your point, seen all of the footage of him in the trailers. So if he does come back, perhaps, I mean, I doubt it, in an episode nine, let's just say theoretically, that would be something that we have no context for. I don't think he's going to because I think whatever, you know, whenever we see Bruce next, it's either, you know, going to be in some obviously more space-oriented franchise or in his own solo film. Yeah. But just saying, you know, in the off chance we do get him, it would be completely uncharted territory away from what we've seen in the trailers. Yeah, and I guess I have to just give up my hope that we might get an Abomination Hulk showdown again. They mended fences. He wrote him a haiku, Caitlin, from the heart. I know. I know. But it doesn't mean that I don't feel like Mark's Hulk doesn't deserve a shot at fighting Abomination. You know, World War Hulk, Planet Hulk, there are options. Yeah. Thunderbolts? I mean, what the heck? Maybe. You never know. 
Yeah, I mean, I doubt it. But they both have big things coming for them, so maybe their paths will cross. Yeah, but at least this show won't happen. But it's okay, because I'm excited about where it's all going. Me too. I'm excited for episode three. Me too. And with that, I'm happy with what I've shared with episode two. I just have one final super small thing. The guy who comes into Jen's new office, in her corner office. Pug. Pug, yes. First of all, that guy will never not be sus to me because he plays a demonic villain in Arrow. I mean, that guy is, like, sinister. So he rolls up and I immediately was like, I'm suspicious. He might be, like, I don't think he's going to be a nobody because he's too big of an actor to be a nobody. He might be a, an ally. I have no freaking clue. But just how well he plays a sinister, smarmy, evil guy who, like, pretends to be really good. I was, like, immediately, my, like, antenna were, like, going. Second of all, love the fact that he showed her the best bathroom to poop in. That's a real friend right there. What a great moment. Their reactions were great, too. I just cackled again. So good. I love this show. Now I'm done. I just had to call attention to that scene for any Arrow fans out there. But that is a wrap on episode two of She-Hulk. It has been a total blast. I think it is no secret that we are loving this show. Cannot wait for episode three next week. We have some great stuff coming for you down the pike. Like I'm sure She-Hulk has some great stuff coming for us. If you're excited to follow us along on this journey, you can subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And if you're enjoying our content, please go ahead and give us a rating or a review. You can also support the show by checking out our merch store on Redbubble. We have all types of different merch for you guys with a fun design. I will be buying myself a bucket hat shortly and posting it on Twitter for you guys to check out. So keep in tune for that. You can also check out our blog as well. We have lots of extra content and context that goes into that. Katie does a great job researching things that we may have missed when we were chatting live on the episode. And so there's a lot of extra information on there and you can check that out in our show notes. And speaking of Twitter, make sure you're following our Twitter at Let's Talk MFT. Theories, rumors, everything is being shared on there, new episodes. So just make sure you guys are giving us a follow to keep up with everything. And also make sure you are signing up for our newsletter. The September one will be coming out next week already, which makes me sad for the month of August. That's already gone. Ew. Yeah, not <laughs> happy with that. But it'll be coming out next week, so make sure if you want that in your inbox that you are signing up. The sign-up you can go through on our Twitter, or you can also go on our blog. There's a place to sign up as well. But with all this being said, keep up with She-Hulk, keep up with us, because Marvel just blew your mind, so let's talk about it. 